Hey everybody, we're back. Uh, I'm Jeff Gluck, and this is episode two of the Untitled Jeff Gluck podcast. Uh, still don't have a name. Still jeffgluck.com for the website, and I'm still Jeff Gluck, and I'm also still here with Jordan Bianchi. We're at the same place that we were when we recorded the first episode, which if you listen to it, I, I just have to start off by apologizing because, first of all, um, you may have realized I don't know how to edit podcasts very well. I tried to put some clips in to illustrate what we were talking about, and what happened was the clip volume like blew your speakers out. I feel bad if any of you had headphones in. Our voices went from soft to loud, and it just wasn't very good. So by the time I edit this one, I'm hoping that I will have figured out how to normalize any sort of clip volume. Um, so that's the first thing. Uh, also, I hope that you'll be able to find this on some sort of a iTunes site or a, a SoundCloud at least because I couldn't figure out how to upload the first episode to anything but my website. So if you listen to it, that's the only place you heard it. Sorry about that. It's a work in progress. Uh, I never had to do any of this before. So um, anyway, we are sitting here back in the Charlotte Convention Center as we were for um, the first one. Jordan, again, is – I think he feels bad. It's some sort of combination of him feeling bad for me, not wanting to do it by myself. And also, I've given him a ride back to his hotel uh, the first two nights of the media tour, and it saved him on Uber fare. So I'm thinking that maybe he's just thinking, like, well, if I hang out long enough, then um, he'll be like, oh, do you want to ride back? And it'll save him on Uber fare again. So let's just check with Jordan. Jordan, uh, is that why you're doing this podcast? My SB Nation bosses will thank you because it won't be on my expense report now. So, yes, yes, I'm definitely here just to get the Uber ride and to save my company a few dollars. I knew it. I knew it. So, um, you know, the the media tour just concluded. Um, and I don't know. It wasn't really spectacularly newsy. My takeaways were that um, a, a few things, I guess. Number one, um, everybody said nice things about the the new format. Number two, um, Danica might not have sponsorship or something. That was weird. Uh, number three, nobody knows exactly why Carl Edwards um, left, even his teammates, and he may even run for political office. Uh, number four, Dale Jr.'s coming back, and he's pumped about that, and he's his usual awesome interview self. And number five, Bubba Wallace might, have, might not have sponsorship to run the full year. So um, let's unpack some of those. And uh, we'll just start with, with the format changes, which we talked about the other night. Um, Jordan, as you may have heard in the first episode, doesn't like the changes. I thought they were cool. The drivers, though, didn't even come close to – I think we – you know what? We actually had a thing where we said, will we be able to count on one hand or whatever? I think we it, it actually was zero hands that we count on. No driver said anything, Jordan. No, none. And I, and I thought some might kind of say, hey, you know, I'm not sure about this or bring up – they didn't even bring up any reservations or things they would have liked to seen or any concerns. Largely it was, we're really happy with this. We think it's going to be great. It's going to be great racing. It was all sunshine and rainbows and puppies. Sunshine, rainbows, and puppies. And I – was actually convinced by the, the puppies and the rainbows and the sunshine because it's not, you know, sometimes you feel like they're giving you a line and they're saying, oh, oh, this is going to be great for the fans, blah, blah, blah. You're like, oh, my God, you don't you can't possibly believe that. You know, it's like it's like uh, how everybody was singing the praise of the caution clock last year. Oh, I love the caution clock. What a great concept. And then Matt Crafton gets up there today and he goes, I despise that thing. I'm so gr I'm so glad it's gone. <laughs> 
So, but I, I actually bought into what they were saying. I, I thought they were pretty sincere that they, they liked it. Did you? I, I did, and I will say this. I, I believe it's because they were empowered in this, and they had a voice. And not only did they have a voice, they had a significant voice. Look at Dale Earnhardt Jr. There's a really good point made on Monday by Steve O'Donnell, which got overlooked. Earnhardt was not a fan of the caution clock. He's, been, he's derided it on social media many times. And he didn't like the fact that the caution clock basically erased the driver's efforts. He said, for 50 laps, I'm racing really hard. When the caution, caution clock comes out, I'm not getting any rewarded for that. Everything is erased. Well, what do they do? They came up with a bonus structure to reward drivers when this, you know, basically the, these segments in a way are kind of caution clocks. So now that was because of the driver's initiative. And they have a voice in this. They had a say in how this thing came together. We've never seen a collaboration like this in NASCAR. And I think because of that, that's why everybody's on the same page. Everybody has an equal share of responsibility now if it goes wrong. It's not one person. It's not one entity. It's collectively everybody is, came together, and now they're going to have to take the responsibility. So, you know, that that's that. We'll see how it plays out. Um, number two was a little bit odd because – so Danica comes up for her news conference. She's wearing a Tax Act fire suit, which I'll be honest, I didn't really think anything about it. wasn't even really paying that close attention or something. But Lee Spencer tweets, hmm, this is odd. She has a tax act fire suit on. Then nobody asked Danica about it at all. Like her thing came and went. She didn't talk about sponsorship. The only fun, funny thing about her news conference was when you, Jordan, um, just <laughs> you made another friend. What happened? Well, I well, in, in I agree with you on the Danica t- tax thing. I, I saw it. She was wearing it. But at that point, we already had one question asked. I already asked my question. You can't ask two questions in this format. So Danica comes up. My question was. She she's coming off a year. She had zero top ten finishes. Her three teammates at Stewart House Racing, they all won races. They are a race in Tony Stewart's case and Kurt Busch's case. They all made the chase. They all had good runs, were consistent largely. They had good, you know, largely good years, right? Well, Danica, not so much. Went winless, no top ten finishes, struggled this year. My question was, looking at that and you see your teammates, are you encouraged or are you discouraged by that performance? Jordan Bianchi, SBNation.com. Seeing your teammates win races and be consistently competitive, is it frustrating or is it encouraging? Oh, you came out of the box strong right there. Um, something about my teammates winning, implying that I'm not. Or, or I don't know what you're... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that didn't go over well, did it? She did not like that. And she I, and I forgot exactly what she said, but she looked at me and she said, are you implying that that I'm not doing well or some something of that nature? And my response was, the facts are... This is what they've done, and this is what you did. And I and I didn't really finish it. I kind of just let it trail off and kind of let her fill in the blank. And to her credit, she acknowledged it, and she answered the question. And I actually thought she gave a decent answer. It's just funny how we were just talking on the podcast the night before about how, you know, you're, you, you, you tend to be uh, rile up people with your aggressive nature. And you're like, I, I got to not do that as much or something. And then you just go right after Danica. Anyway, no, it was fine. It was a perfectly legitimate question. But so anyway, that aside, so um, the sponsorship thing, so she gets done with her news conference, and then um, I hear people start talking about, oh, you know, have you heard about, you know, she's she may not, you know, Nature's Bakery may may not be coming back or, or they're maybe having some problems. And, uh, you know, Mike Arning's putting out a statement to a couple people, Jenna Fryer, I think Bob Pockris, uh, you. Um, so it's like, Wow, what's going on here? Like, and and then, you know, people start doing more detective work, and like, there's a, a patch on Clint Boyer's uniform that's covered up in white that I guess was Nature's Bakery, and then the headshot comes out of of Danica, no Nature's Bakery patch on her fire suit at all. 
no, nothing, nothing on our, you know, nothing, nothing resembling Nature's Bakery, which is a surprise because this is for the season. I mean, you're going to do these photo shoots. This is your primary sponsor for the duration of the year. The, this is where you want to be linked with them, and there was nothing. And it, it definitely is curious because we're just weeks away from the Daytona 500. You don't really see situations like this for star drivers with big teams where the sponsorship situation is all of a sudden uncertain just weeks before the season starts. Now the question is, is they were going to fill in. They had 25 race commitment this year. They had five races to sell. So basically 20 races for Nature's Bakery. 20 races. That's a ton of races. It's a ton of races. And now all of a sudden, Stuart House Racing, which, by the way, already has to figure out sponsorship for Clint Boyer, who really doesn't have much besides a couple races with Mobile One. They've got two of their four cars basically without primary sponsors for the majority of the races. That's a heavy load for a team like that. Any team, you know, coming into Daytona and trying to figure out your, you know, allocate money and funds and everything. I mean, good thing Uncle Gene has some deep pockets, right? That, that's the nice thing is that Gene Haas has a Formula One team, and he, he can just shake that wall a little bit, and things will come out. But still, I mean, that's a heavy load. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And again, it might just be a, something behind the scenes. We don't know. Everything's kind of coming together right now. It, it might be a thing where they, you know, they snafu with the payments. Who knows? But something is amiss because you don't go around covering up sponsors' logos unless there's a deep rift. So that was um, a very interesting thing. Um, and and another one was how clueless everybody seemed to be about Carl Edwards. You know, they, a lot of people asked, you know, Matt Kenseth even. Okay, hey, uh, Matt, you know, you're friends with Carl. Have you talked to him? You know, Kenseth says, yeah, I did talk to him, and I have no idea. I'm as clueless as anybody, even after talking to him. So that that was kind of an interesting wrinkle, and and certainly Denny and Kyle didn't know either. I, I don't know. What do you what do you make of how they they didn't even his friends didn't seem to really be clued in on what was going on? No, not at all. I mean, Matt Kenseth spoke with Carl Edwards, and he basically said was I was as clueless going in as I was out. I wasn't sure what he was saying, and then he tried reading. He tried figuring out okay, what is Edwards saying, and what is he not saying, and he still couldn't determine what the cause was. It really does seem like there's a deeper reason here, and I hate to dr- – we're jumping to conclusions. We have nothing to point to, but just the, what Denny said, what Kyle said, and what Matt said, there seems they all believe that there's a deeper reason why Carl retired, and they can't figure it out. And what that reason is, we don't know. Today the news came out that he might be running for you know political office in 2018. Maybe that's it. We don't know, but it, there is some it, – it just it's funny. It's a very funny, peculiar situation. All right, I'm going to give you my take on this. And <coughs> excuse me, I don't think that um, it's the take that uh, many other people in the media center have, and clearly, probably not even his teammates have. But personally, I I really do take Carl's whole reasoning at face value. And maybe it's because I just did something different myself, and I sort of related to what he was saying in his news conference, and. You know, I remember his news conference. I'm sitting there knowing that I was going to be leaving USA Today for JeffGluck.com, and he's talking about how you know from the outside people might not not understand, and you know it's just something his gut was telling them he should do. And um, I'm thinking, yeah, I totally get this. And then um, you know some other people, you know, including his teammates, like we said, seem to think there's something else. I still, maybe I'm being naive, but I just think that. He's sort of like a different guy, and he just figured, you know what? I don't feel like doing this anymore for whatever reason, and I'm I'm out. Like, so I, I take what his explanation was at face value, and I don't think there's really any more to it than that. Maybe there is other motives. Uh, maybe he's going to run for office, whatever. But for me, 
Um, that's just my take. Um, I don't know. Am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy. We, we have no, no reason not to take Carl at his word. He's given us no reason to. He was pretty honest and, and pretty straightforward in that press conference of this is why I'm retiring, and he listed his reasons. Right now we're just speculating and basically kind of trying to dissect what his teammates said. And, you know, Carl has never been a guy who's been very p- public about things. He, he's very personal, but, you know, he, he doesn't like to share too much. So if he's not willing to tell a Matt Kenseth or somebody else within Joe Gibbs Racing why he's actually doing this, or you know, I understand that. That's kind of Carl's nature. He's a very private man who, frankly, just likes to stay to himself. No, but see, I think that, I think that he told them why. And those guys being racers who love driving so much and can never imagine walking away from it for no, in their mind, good reason, I think they just think, nah, but what's the real reason? Like, even if Kenseth's talking to him on the phone, you know, Kenseth is, what, 45 or something and still wants to race as long as he can. Carl was 38. I'm sure Kenseth's like, okay, yeah, you say that, but, you know. Um, anyway, that's just that's just one, one wrinkle of it. Um, so let's talk about Dale Jr., who um, – wants to keep racing, even though he probably could have been in a position to walk away and people would have understood. He said, uh, you know, he he's not going to retire until he does it on his own terms, or he'd like to retire on his own terms. But he also got really reflective today about what it was like to be out of the car. He had some really good perspective, you know what I mean? It was kind of a classic Dale Jr. session, all too short, but I mean, what do you think of how he was? Like you said, it was a classic Dale Earnhardt Jr. session. He was, he was very forthright. He was willing to share things. And he's arguably, I mean, I would say he's not even arguably, he is the best interviewer in NASCAR. He will answer a question, and he, he really considers what you say. And I think you saw that today, is that when he was out of the race car last year, it gave him an opportunity to see a firsthand experience of what it was like being kind of on the sidelines. And he was able to appreciate things now more when he came back. The camaraderie with the guys, you know, being able to be part of the team and, and text messaging and being part of all that. And I think this really is setting up for a special year for Earnhardt in a lot of levels. He's just married. He's back in the race car after a very serious injury. And, you know, the performance of that team should be at a high level. So if he can win some races, this is really a, this is really setting up for a memorable, maybe, year for Dale Earnhardt Jr. My number five um, takeaway from the media tour that I just thought was kind of interesting was finally got to hear from Bubba Wallace and a lot of there had been a lot of talk in the offseason about how he might not have anything. Maybe he was out of a ride. So he ends up coming today and, and says, hey, look, I've got um, I've got six races to start the year. I've got uh, Lidos, I think it's called, some government contracting company or something. Um, they're on the car for the first six races of the year. He said he's very optimistic that they will be continuing after that and that they'll be at Homestead as planned. But um, interesting situation for a guy who has a fantastic personality, uh, maybe hasn't gotten the results that he wanted on the track and that people expect him to get on the track as much. And is it a real tough position? I really think NASCAR needs a guy like Bubba, but I don't know if it's going to work out for him. What, what do you think of what he had to say? It was interesting. And I like you. He came, you know, I heard the speculation that he didn't have sponsorship this year and whether he was going to be back. And that was actually going to be one of my questions to him. And he addressed it right away was what's your sponsorship deal? And, Six races is not a lot, and this is not an unfamiliar territory for Roger Fenway Racing. Trevor Bain was in a situation not too long ago where he didn't have sponsorship even, even, either, even after winning the Daytona 500, and Roush parked him after a few races in the Xfinity season because of that. So he's going to have to have the onus now to go out there and have good rate results the first six weeks of the season. doesn't necessarily need to win, but he's going to have to be good in points 
because if he doesn't, they, they don't really have a reason to keep him on the track right now. Yes, he's marketable. I think he's talented. He's shown that in the truck series. And I think with the right team, he could be a, a winning driver. But if the results aren't there and you don't have the sponsorship, how do you justify continuing to do this? I'm going to somewhat put you on the spot, so I'll try to stall enough so that you can think of something. But um, those were just my five takeaways. You know what I mean? Uh, that doesn't mean they have to be your five takeaways. So was there anything else from the media tour? Um, we already acknowledge it wasn't the most newsy media tour. But was there anything else that stuck out in your mind as something that, you know, was, wow, you know, this this was interesting or something that, that you think um, the people should know if they weren't paying attention uh, to Twitter or something the whole the whole two days? I, I think the three biggest things are obviously the changes announced Monday with the format changes and how everybody on board is this, on board is on with this, and, and they're very excited by this. And there really isn't any dissenting opinion of, hey, you know what, there's a little skepticism here. That's unprecedented really in the sport. Usually when changes come out, you, you, you hear behind the scenes or you hear straight up, hey, I don't know if I like this or not. And the other two, obviously, we talked about Carl Edwards' situation because – it does seem like there's a little bit of confusion, you know, whether why he retired, is it true, what's going on, and then the news about him running for office. And I think the biggest thing outside of Monday's announcement is the Danica sponsorship thing because she is arguably the second or third most popular driver in the sport. She is a name brand. She is one of those drivers that has appeal beyond just race fans and the casual, broad sports spectrum. People know who she is. All of a sudden, she might not have a major sponsor, and as we know, a couple of years ago when they were looking to replace GoDaddy, you know, it was a lot harder than they anticipated. And they didn't necessarily, and I mean they, get Stuart House Racing, get the money they were looking for from a sponsor. So this is going to be an interesting situation and how this uh, unfolds. What, what was your favorite moment or two from the media tour? My, a couple that jumped out to me were um, Matt Kenseth had a really funny press conference. I mean, he was just cracking one-liners, said he had too much coffee. If you're interested in hearing that I, I basically made a compilation video and I posted it on jeffgluck.com so um, I hope you guys will enjoy that I went to iMovie and just cut it up but another one I really really enjoyed was Spencer Gallagher um, that guy is freaking nuts he's wide open and he's really fun I, I've just sort of uh, just really in the within the last year realized how like funny he is and awesome to talk to and what a great interview he is i mean he's just nuts and um let's let's hear a little bit of that spencer um if you were to win daytona what kind of celebration could we expect to see from you you know i've thought hard about this jeff i'm glad you asked that question <laughs> right now right now i'm thinking if i should win daytona i'll start with a uh, fence climb followed by a double backflip, half cab, 720 flip onto the uh, pavement, at which point I will go run and perform a grass angel. That's, that's my plan for now. So whenever I win Daytona, which will be soon here, about a month now, y'all watch out. It's going to be pretty incredible. I like the fence climb. That's aggressive. Yeah. Hey, good. you know, one of my idols really and truly always has been Tony, and that was his thing for a good long while. So that, that's something I've always thought, you know, when I give myself a checkered flag, that's, that's where I'd like to start. So what do you, what did you think of of old Spencer there and, and his his act in the media center? He is definitely a character, and if he could start, he had a really good year for him, progression wise in the truck series last year. He's moving to the Xfinity series this year. He's one of those drivers, you know. We talked about Darrell Wallace, who, if he can start having results, he's got the personality to really help this sport 
take it to a different demographic, younger-wise. I think he's good, too. And we're talking about moments and stuff. You have to talk about Kyle Busch doing the Daniel Suarez impersonation. That was one of the top things I've heard, really funniest things I've heard in a while, because that was really spot on. And it really highlights Kyle's personality, which sometimes I think gets overlooked by other things about him. This past year, you know, he came to me a couple times, and I says, hey, you don't, you don't use me as much as you used to. Well, uh, you told me not to. And I said... And I says, no, I didn't say that you couldn't. I just said, you know, use me sparingly. Like once every five weeks is okay. All right, it was worth being here all day long to hear Kyle Bush do Daniel Suarez. <sighs> Kyle, thanks a lot, man. We appreciate it. Thanks for being here. No problem, man. <laughs> Adios. That was, that was funny. Um, so it's good. Everybody seemed in a really good mood. I, unless I was just in a good mood because I'm really enjoying this week so far and really enjoying what's been happening. Um, I can't tell if it's just me or if, if it's everybody. Is it just me? No, I think everybody is. I mean, the drivers are excited. It's been an off season. It's been a long off season. They're ready to get back on the track. It's that point of the off season where everybody's itching to like, hey, you know what? I'm sick of talking about new things and what's to come. I want to go out there and prove it. And it's gonna be interesting because you know another thing too jumped out at me too is the Xfinity series this year is gonna be really competitive because there's a lot of you know Junior Motorsports is expanding. And there's a lot of teams that are funneling money into their programs now, which really wasn't necessarily the case a few years ago. So the lower divisions of NASCAR are being highly competitive, and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to bode well for them going forward. Let's look ahead a little bit, Jordan, because um, we probably won't have a podcast in the next few days after this. But, um, you know, the, there's going to be a, an open test or a, a team test, organizational test at Phoenix um, coming up, two-day test. One of the people that's participating – there is Dale Earnhardt Jr. So even though he's tested already to get cleared at Darlington, he'll be back in a, a more visible public setting um, at Phoenix. So it'll be interesting to see how he does there. I'm actually going to attend that myself, or at least I plan to. So that'll be interesting to talk to these guys again and, and see what they think of, of Phoenix, which is going to be making some huge changes um, uh, to the track, trying to kind of do their own Daytona Rising type thing. But what do you think about as far as the Phoenix test? Is it are these guys going to learn anything? I think for different drivers, it's be different agendas. There's three big storylines going into that test. One you talked about was Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to be on the track, and while he's going to be running competitive times now, it's going to be interesting to gauge his speed and what he, where he's at to other drivers. If he's running the same lap times as Kevin Harvick, who's out there, well, you're going to look like well, you know, no big deal. The rust is shaking off; he'll be fine. If he's a little bit, if he's considerably slower, then you know you're like wondering, okay, it's going to take some time. Another storyline, too, I mentioned is Kevin Harvick. This can be the first time Harvick's in a Ford. First time Stuart Haas Racing is in a Ford. They've got a lot to learn making this transition. It's going to be a big test for them because, remember, Harvick is dominant out there. He lost his mojo a little bit last fall, and that cost him the championship. But it's going to be interesting. If he goes out there in a Ford and is running the same lap times as he is in a Chevrolet, no big deal. You think, okay, they're going to be okay. Another thing, too, Suarez is going to be in a cup car, too. We'll get to see what he's at. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. Uh, all the more reason for me to go, I guess. Um, and it looks like with everybody's support, which I just am blown away by this week, um, I'll, I'll definitely be able to go to that, be able to go to the Daytona Speed Weeks. Um, so that's a, that's a great start. Yeah, so Jordan, um, any final thoughts from, from the media tour? I'm ready to go racing. I'm ready. The offseason was nice. Recharge the batteries. I feel a lot like the drivers. I'm ready to get to the track, and like, let's get this started. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening, and um, we will talk to you soon.